welcome back to Arts About. The show about art that has got nothing to do with art. Is that right? It's got a lot to do with art, Swanee. I believe John says it's a show about art that is a work of art in itself. Yeah, that's right. Why isn't isn't John saying that, though? Well, John's away again. Yes, there's a big empty vacuum. It's just the wind. In fact, his chair's not even there. Yeah, mind the tumbleweed. <laughs> That's right. He's not here this I'm, week. I'm um, feeling a bit lonely. You're listening to Arts About, which is brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And you're here in the Bendigo Bank studio with me, Sally Bailey, and Swanee this morning. Yeah. Still, uh, still no Mark. And as we've just mentioned, no John either. Yeah, and you tried to find a sobriquet for me, a nickname, because yes. he, he's the artist in residence. And, and cultural sounding board. And what's Mark? Mark is quite annoying. I mean, yeah. Mark is... <laughs> no, Mark, I forgot what Mark is. Yeah, we... we thermodynamic we, for a little while, but yeah, that didn't make any sense. he's a bit of sense. a movable feast. Mm. I'm the grumpy engineer. Yeah. So what is on the show today, Sally? Well, uh, it's open house month this July, uh, culminating in uh, an open house weekend. At the end of it, when over 200 buildings in and around Melbourne open their doors to the public so that we can get in and see how the impact of good design can positively <coughs> affect the way we live I can and see the cities what that we live in. People with houses look like uh yes well yeah. it's houses but it's also all sorts of buildings that we use and right. some of them work really well for the functions that they were designed for yeah. and others not so well so it's uh it's a festival in a way or it's an organization that wants to highlight those things that make buildings great it's a design wake-up call it's a design wake-up call, yes. Who else be on the show? We also have Anthony Ransom. Now, he's a presenter on uh, uh, P, the opera program that, yes. uh, that runs here. Uh, but he wrote an opera some time ago called Buckley, and it was presented uh, in Rosebud at the end of April. I didn't get to see it because I was away at the time. Away. You were away yes. like Buckley. He took off into the wilderness. Yes, he did, but he went yeah. for a slightly longer period of yeah. time. Sally's Hope, we called it. Yeah, I was only gone from month um so uh so we're going to hear about that production how it went and uh what's going to happen to it next what's going to happen to it next so what's going to happen next in the program we're going to listen to some music we are going to listen to some music i've got a track here called it's femme fatale it was a bit of a loaded question i know it was i thought i knew we were going to play music yeah but i mean it says here on the thing la femme fetal yes i'm sure that's their intention. Well, it must be a play on words, yes, All right. indeed. If we listen very... This is, it's a yeah. band called Digital, Digital Planets, and they fuse hip-hop, rap and jazz, and uh, they're a Grammy Award-winning trio. So they've done lots of different things, but it's a pretty unique sound. Let's have a listen. Ooh la la. So firebombing clinics suggest to me that they are making a comment about fetal, the femme fetal, abortion, which is a huge issue in America. Certainly in America, as has been here too in Australia, thankfully not so much anymore. Anyway, on to lighter. Yes, on to lighter things. As I mentioned just earlier, today we're going to have talking to Anthony Ransom, who is one of the presenters here on RPP. He presents the opera program or uh, on Wednesdays. Good morning, Anthony. Welcome to Arts About. Happy to be here. It's great to talk to you. Anthony um, has just has written and produced. 
an opera most recently, which is a rather an extraordinary uh, event, rather an extraordinary job, a huge job. We spoke to him a couple of months ago, probably in January earlier on this year, um, just before uh, it was going into its rehearsal stage. I haven't seen it, Anthony. I believe that we can now watch it on Artible P's website. We can. How did it go? Well, it went extraordinarily well. After all the work, it was a relief to be able to sit back, have Joseph Lalo conducting, and um, David Lampard did a quite extraordinary job of uh, doing the um, the regie, the d- direction, and also the stage, uh, the actual staging, with uh, my wife, Karen Till, uh, putting up some projections which integrated themselves very, very well. It looked beautiful the on the video. Well, uh, the lighting altogether has been wonderfully successful. Um, I'm really, really thrilled about that side of it too. And uh, we had some very good singing, particularly from Michael Lampard, no relation, uh, who is a Melbourne baritone, uh, who I I was very, very pleased to have got because he did such a wonderful job, not only of the vocal side of of singing the long part of Buckley in relation to the relatively short opera, uh, but also because he really played it to the hilt. He, he played with so much emotion and it was just wonderful. And you can see that, fortunately, on our wonderful streaming uh, opportunity to see the whole opera here on RPV. Yeah, so, and we had a, a full house uh, yes, on both occasions. We, in fact, we were putting our chairs on the Saturday afternoon desperately were you <laughs> to kicking, fit in the people who were arriving late. Were you kicking yourselves that you didn't do a third night or is it just too hard? No. Look, there was so much, an incredible amount of work to be got mm. through. I did have tremendous support from Judy Walsh, one of the most marvellous administrators here on the peninsula. She's got all the backing of the National Trust where she's the, the local president or whatever they call them, um, and she's been an absolute tower of strength. But if I can just tell you what I had to do to get mm-hmm. this up and, and running. Before you just... Yeah. I was going to say, when Sally mentioned you'd done an opera, it's yeah. very easy to say that, but that is, as you intimated, a massive undertaking. Incredible. And you're one of the few people in this world that actually do complete their life's dream you know many people talk about writing a book or yes yes not so many talk about writing an opera but very very few people actually get around to doing it yeah tell us tell us about it's it's been it's been an incredibly exciting journey journey and uh here down on the peninsula the idea of an opera is is sort of absolutely way out left field yeah Yeah. but that's where i come from as a as an opera singer originally and uh, spending 20 years of my life in germany singing opera um so as I will have said before, I was down at the settlement of 1803 in Sorrento one of these days, about um, six or seven years ago, and thought that it was just such a wonderful area there. I go back to it regularly because it's so evocative. And uh, there's a natural amphitheatre there, and I thought, right, wouldn't it be wonderful to put on an opera uh, right here on the settlement about the settlement and about Buckley. And so I asked Richard Cotter to uh, do a libretto, which he did within six months, and uh, off I went composing it, which took me about three years. I didn't uh, didn't rush it. Um, Richard said, uh, after he'd seen the poems, I may have said this last time, um, he thought that culture stopped at 
safety beach, but now we can say that uh, <laughs> culture definitely exists in Rosebud. It used to stop at Mount Martha. It must be creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I had to have the idea that I had to do some research. I knew a bit about Buckley from, from my historical interest generally. Then I had to edit Richard's libretto. Then I had to compose the opera, as I said. Then I had to um, meanwhile, I was forming a committee, or once I'd had it more or less complete, forming a committee with Judy Walsh being the most supportive, and uh, then I had to get financial help, and so I was making numerous grant applications. Yeah. I was very lucky to get a, a largish grant from Hans Henkel, who supported 37 different opera projects around in and around Melbourne over the past year. Just to give you an impression of what kind of a philanthropist that man is, Yes, that's rather rather spectacular. Yeah. Mm. So then um, I had to audition and cast the singers, and I was very pleased with the way all that went. I think we got a pretty good cast of professionals together uh, with an amateur choir from down here, eight, eight of them, uh, who were largely members of the local choirs that I conduct. Um, and... The problems that arose during that process um, over a period of six months from the beginning of the casting period to finally putting the opera on uh, were that people kept withdrawing. I had seven withdrawals uh, that I had to cope with and find replacements for, and I was doing all sorts of uh, somersaults to try and uh, slightly changing the casting so that I got one, got one tenor to do one more role, uh, saves a bit of money uh, as well. But the disastrous one was was only two and a half weeks before the performance was, was coming oh, at the no. beginning of April where we heard the Chante Batska, whom we'd really promoted as uh, an absolutely wonderful yes. Indigenous singer. She'd been down here doing I concerts. I remember you saying. Yes. Uh, but her father, who was a famous Indigenous boxer, he was close to death in Sydney and she had to go up. She withdrew from the production. Oh, that's and terribly sad. Within two and a half weeks, we had to find someone at uh, two and a half weeks before the premiere and uh, Deborah Cheatham, who's just put on another wonderful uh, show called Umarella about um, a massacre down uh, near Port Ferry. Um, she was my go-to person for uh, Shanti. Shanti. Yes, because she's uh, a mentor so, of Shanti, um, hasn't she? I managed she? to get a wonderful Sydney, young Sydney soprano indigenous for, through uh, Deborah Cheatham. Brilliant. Oh, when, that's great. When, when you mentioned the philanthropy, uh, the philanthropy before, does that mean you were able to you were able to pay everyone at least? We paid reasonable yep. fees to yep. everybody. Where, uh, in this game, you negotiate your fees with each individual. So yep. they were all different, but one of them was with an eight, two of them were with an agent. So their fees were quite substantial. Yes. But you were at least able to make equity rates for all these people. Yes. Fantastic. That's really, that is yeah. an incredible achievement because yeah. that is, that's very, very difficult. Well, as everybody knows, or, or as most people probably know, um, an opera involves so many people. Like, how many people were you actually juggling? About two dozen. Yes. Mm. All with egos and all... They and all, all with come lives. up to you and they've all got little concerns, haven't they? Oh, Anthony, I wonder, could you just... this green, Is that green going to work? And you think you've got this whole big picture and they're just constantly at you, aren't they? Well, they were very reasonable in that oh. respect, actually. But there were various other problems. For yeah. example, David would say to me, uh, look, I need to have a bit more stage action here. Can you compose a few more bars? 
cars. Oh, right. Okay, I'll go home and uh, see what I can do Lucky for I've That happened more than once. Lucky I've brought my Casio with me. That is the eternal fight between the director and the actor, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of feel, a bit of action. <laughs> yes. But you don't know until it hits the stage how it's going to work. No, you don't. Uh, we, we were all a, a great team, although I didn't mm. know many of them uh, beforehand. But um, I can tell you on the Wednesday, uh, Anzac Day came between our final rehearsal on the Wednesday and the first performance on the Friday. And uh, on the Wednesday, they were still doing lighting, getting the projections to, to work. And um, my gosh, uh, the temperature was very high on Wednesday yeah. evening. We didn't have a wonderful dress rehearsal. That but is always it a came good, together. Yeah. Do you know night. what? I always think that's a great sign. Well, there is a saying, bad dress, great yes. show. Exactly. Yes. I repeated that several times. Yes. <laughs> because, of course, what it does is it, it highlights all the things that are going wrong that you fix before Absolutely. the show goes. Absolutely. Yeah. So where do we go with Buckley now, Yeah, Anthony? what happens next? Look, I've given birth to it. I've seen it grow to maturity on the 26th and 27th of April, and now it's got to have a life of its own. But if somebody else wants to run with it, the National Trust have said they just might consider doing the second half, which is about Buckley on the other side, um, over at Bowen Park. Oh, really? Now, if they were to do that, I would support them with advice and so on. Brilliant. Uh, but well, but I don't want to run with it anymore. No. Well, you've got to fall production template there in place yeah. now yes so what, what's the time span from when you when you first conceived of the idea until the project finished came About, to its fruition um, five and a half years that's a lot of time out of somebody's mm. life isn't it yeah yeah it's a chunk of flesh all right well to actually get to the end of it quite a quite a, a feeling an <laughs> absolutely extraordinary achievement we are very excited about it uh, and hope that somebody does pick it up anthony um for our listeners, if you want to actually watch the opera, you can go to the, the P website and it's streaming there in its entirety. And uh, I would really recommend that. It's great sound quality, of course, done by our fabulous friend Steve Myers. Mm-hmm. It's been wonderful talking to you today, Anthony. Thank you so much for all the work that you've done for our cultural enrichment down here on the Mornington Peninsula. Let's hope somebody picks up that idea and takes a little further. Thanks, very Thanks much, again. Sally. Now, are we going to play a song now? We Sonny? are. Yes, it's yes. a famous song. It is Did you a want famous to introduce song. it? Yes, I do. This is mm-hmm. Lee Moses. Um, Lee Moses uh, with a song called Joe. He worked as a session musician in New York, mm-hmm. primarily with a guy called John Brantley in the sixties, who also as did another very widely recognised Jimi Hendrix. Here's a cover that both of them did of a Billy Roberts song, Hey Joe. In July, Open House Melbourne presents an extensive program of events designed to encourage civic participation in the design of cities. By providing examples, conversations and forums about great architecture and the difference that it can make to the way we live. Empowering people with knowledge about the impact of great design with the intention of ensuring Victoria and its capital city, Melbourne, remains a livable and vibrant place now and in the future. Since 2008, Open House has encouraged nearly a quarter of a million Melbournians to, to come and visit over 900 sites across Melbourne. It's free of charge, independent, apolitical, inclusive and accessible charity and it is a worldwide phenomenon now with over 40 cities participating in the program with each city responding to the peculiarities of its local environment. In Australia, we have open house operating in Melbourne, Ballarat and Bendigo. And this morning, I have the business and programs manager, Victoria Bennett, on the line to tell us what we might expect to see this year. Good morning, Victoria. Welcome to Arts About. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks. 
<laughs> it's great to have you on the program. Victoria, from an insider's viewpoint, what is it about open house that has caused it to become a worldwide phenomenon like it has? Um, I think at the heart of it, it's really about um, providing opportunities for people that have access um, and engagement with their city's built environment. Um, you know, at, at the, in its simplest form, it, it gives people the opportunity and the permission to see spaces that they may not usually be able to access. I think most pe- people are generally curious um, about the things that they um, that are that are around them, whether or not that's where they live or where they work. Um, and so, um, open house really just provides that opportunity for people to experience things firsthand. Um, as you say on your website, strong cities empower communities. So what constitutes a strong city? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think there's um, all different facets of that. Uh, everything from um, the personal connections that people might have um, with strangers uh, within their city and within the places that they work and live. Um, everything from the infrastructure that might support them getting around the city, uh, the way that it looks visually, um, the way that they engage um, in public spaces um, and the way that private spaces can connect to those. Tell me, are there any sort of measurable effects that educating the public about good design will have upon our future cities? Um, I guess there are uh, ways of measuring. I mean, we we certainly do a lot of um, uh, audience surveying and speaking to people about how they feel um, engaged uh, with their city or how they feel that actually participating in open house um, makes them feel more engaged with their city um, just through participation um, and experience. Uh, so there's ways of measuring uh, through surveying and data. Um, obviously, there's um, different different uh, techniques that government bodies probably do use that to measure. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that's what I'm getting at in a way because... because Apart from being incredibly fascinating for the public to come in and have a look at buildings and see how they function and and to kind of draw back from that information that might help them in their lives and the buildings that they interact with and perhaps might be uh, building, but mm. but is but is government looking at this? Is this is that is that what open house is kind of designed to do to create um, to to create information that is going to impact on you know larger circumstances. Uh, yes and no, I think, for that question. Um, you know, we uh, we really do see and set ourselves apart from government bodies mm-hmm. and, 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 and bodies that really are, um, you know, whose main job it is uh, to take care of urban planning or um, engaging with the public. We are a public-facing organisation and our main concern is about engaging with our audience. Yep. Um, I think that there's a nice flow-on effect and we do certainly hope that the um, activities that we coordinate and the opportunities that we organise um, will, you know, the government will see that that kind of work and, and how it's improving and benefiting people and, and potentially pay a bit of attention to that. But it's not um, it's not something that we're setting out to do. Mm. Now, I know you operate all year, but, but July is your festival month, if you like. It is, yes. And what's going on? Tell us, what, what are a few of the highlights that um, visitors might... Yeah, so we have, um, I guess we have sort of two two stages to our, our month-long, uh, month-long festival. Um, we have uh, programming that happens all through July, um, and that happens, uh, there'll be, some weeks might have one or two events on, 
um, in the lead up to the weekend, which of course is the um, the main event of it all, and that's the last weekend of July. So we have a number of um, talks, uh, and there's some exhibitions that we're partnering with that are opening, um, and uh, and then that will all lead into the 200 buildings that will open across Melbourne, and that's metropolitan Melbourne um, for Saturday and Sunday, the 27th and 28th of July. Now, there's also a couple of really interesting programs that you're running too, which I, I, I wanted to hear a little bit about. Urban, mm. urban Tactility Installation. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Urban Tactility um, is uh, it's not a new program for us this year, but it's the first time that we're really being able to explore this idea with UMPLA, um, who we're uh, collaborating with. Um, we have run... Uh, uh, um, Sorry, I forgot what the two of us have off the top of my head um, in, in past open houses, which are exploring our sensory city, sensory city tours, which are exploring um, how people uh, with different uh, accessibilities um, actually have to engage um, with the cityscape. Um, so we've expanded on that this year uh, with an installation at the um, uh, Immigration Museum forecourt. Um, that will be up for the whole month of July. Um, it's something that you can pop into, but there will also be a number of scheduled talks and some of those um, sensory tours that I just mentioned then as well um, happening throughout July, But and then quite a lot will be happening on the weekend as well, including a lot of great um, children's activities. And, and what's the Naked Architect series? Uh, yes, in July, so, by the way. Yeah, I, that's I, I, hope, I hope the buildings are heated. <laughs> no, so what we there'll be a launch of the Naked Architect. It's um, that's actually a series that we run. It's one of those events that you mentioned earlier that we do um, year round. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the main part of that program will actually happen um, in uh, August and September and November. Um, it is where you get to go and visit uh, six residential homes um, and six different architects and six different homeowners uh, will actually sit down and speak to you about the process of engaging an architect um, and working through uh, either a renovation or a complete build. Um, it's really an education uh, uh, series and workshop for, um, for people who might be thinking about uh, renovating or building sometime soon and engaging an architect. Uh, really so we'll, be, we'll just be having an information session um, and information, uh, it, it's yet to be released, it will be up online shortly about um, where people can go to hear a bit more about that. Uh, now, of course, open house is not... They're not naked, unfortunately. They're not no. naked. Oh, there's no nudity <laughs> in this, everybody. A bit, a bit of speed, speed, speed dating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, uh, open house is not only about modern architecture and and uh, and things that are going to be built. It is also uh, reflecting on heritage. And I know that you have um, Kirsten Thompson, um, the architect who has designed the McClelland extension, the uh, McClelland Gallery down here. The extension yeah. for that. She is doing um, a, a talk at some point, which is talking about the role that heritage plays in our cities and our lives, isn't she? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So she um, she's actually leading the Heritage Address um, this year, and that's the program that we run each year um, with the Heritage Council of Victoria. Um, so they're a, a co-producer on that, uh, and it's where we ask somebody to reflect on um, the value and the important heritage plays um, in our cities, um, and also to reflect on some of the work and in, and, and the ways in which they may personally. Um, in, work with that. So um, we will actually be hosting that um, at the Melbourne University South Bank campus mm-hmm. um, and it does, uh, following the talk, you'll be able to walk 
through um, the the new stables, um, which is uh, one of them studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is open for open house, so you'll have another opportunity if you don't go to the talk. But um, but you'll be able to walk through the stables afterwards, and and, and Kirsten will be speaking about that project as well as you know many others, I imagine. Because that is one of the, that is a major project that she has just completed. It isn't is. It? That's yes. right. Yeah. So tell us how many buildings at the at the end of this month, the twenty seventh and twenty eighth of July, um, there are a number of buildings that are opened up to the public. It, how many? Two hundred, right. <laughs> to be exact. Yeah. So. Obviously, there's no opportunity. It would be pretty unlikely that anybody might get around those 200 in yeah. order to um, over <laughs> um, that course of time. Absolutely impossible. I think we can pretty much. Say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you recommend? How do How do you recommend that people approach it? Yes. Well, we um, uh, well we have a print program um, which will actually be available from readings as of next week. Um, so, if you're someone who likes to hold something and flick through pictures of buildings, that's a very good way to start. Um, maybe you just do it randomly and see where you think it land. Um, but otherwise, the uh, website, um, uh, the way that we um, uh, work with our building list on the web- website and display that information allows you to filter that 200 buildings yeah. and you can almost get quite specific with maybe you've got a particular interest in a particular era of architecture. Maybe it's mid-century. Maybe you only want to visit a certain part of Melbourne um, and maybe you want something that's great for families. So you can uh, you can filter all number of um, selections, and that will certainly make a little a more sizable chunk to, to pick from. Yes. Okay. There's it's, it's <laughs> extraordinary, extraordinary program. Can you give us a few highlights of some buildings that maybe are going to be opened this time that yeah. that yeah. Might, the, haven't yeah. been before that people might be really and interested? highlights yeah. of the sensory tour as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the, um, we certainly have a number of highlights. We, out of that 200, we have 73 brand new buildings for the mm-hmm. program. So um, that in itself is uh, super exciting for us. Uh, if you're spending some time in the CBD, um, I, can, I can recommend the, the new, brand new and only just um, opened, the Ian Potter South Bank Centre, which is part of um, the University um, uh, Arts Precinct Campus there by John Wardle. It is an incredible building um, and they will be running tours but also you'll be able to self-guide through there throughout um, both days so um, plenty of opportunity to have a look. We'll also, um, we're really excited to be opening to the public in its first biggest launch, the um, the newly refurbished Capitol Theatre. Um, so that's not technically new to our program because it's been in a number of times in the past but it hasn't been in the program for the last five years. Are you allowed, to touch, been, are you allowed to touch the ceiling? Well, I certainly can't answer that. <laughs> I get myself into trouble. But you can spend a lot of time looking at it, and it's just um, it's just incredible the work that's been done there. And we'll actually have some architects led. So it's six degrees, uh, a local a local practice that um, led the re- um, redevelopment of that site, and they will be giving guided tours on the hour. Um, but you can also self guide around that as well. Um, I saw a couple of photographs on your press release and uh, and of the lighting that's in in there and it really looks absolutely extraordinary. My memories yep. of it were were pretty good. I, I've been in there a few times myself, but um, the lighting looks really amazing now. Yeah, well, being an RMIT um, managed site, I guess um, I think they've done some pretty exciting things with the lighting design and had some lighting artists in there um, working through a few fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, designs and plays. 
What an, what an incredible program. It's going from strength to strength. As I said before, I think it's since 2008, so it's, you know, it's, it's 11 or 12 years. Uh, uh, 12, 12 years, This is yeah. the 12th one that, 12, you're, that 12, you're doing. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a great program. Um, I'm sure that in the, in the future there will be measurable effects from this with, you know, anybody that's <laughs> been informed by... Uh, by this amount of evidence of what yeah. constitutes good Well, design. if anyone out there um, knows a great way of measuring it, um, please get in touch. <laughs> We'd love to work with you. Well, it's, unfortunately, <laughs> it's such a long time span in a way that you're dealing with, isn't it? Because yeah. really you've got to be thinking about 20, 30, 40 years that, that this knowledge will impact upon. So, um, yes, I, I guess it's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. Now, open house... Uh, program runs all year but this there's a festival on this week this month in july including talks walks debates online information events and of course a weekend of being invited into 200 buildings around melbourne some of which you may have always wondered about and many you've perhaps never heard of but they may all change the way you think about building uh open house has a website openhousemelbourne.com uh thank you very much for talking to us today about it all victoria bennett Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks, Victoria. <laughs> Great to chat. Thanks. Bye. Mm, well, as I mentioned, as we both mentioned earlier, yeah. John isn't here. No. But what I did do, Swan, yes. was I found an interview that we did with John a little while ago when he was at, sitting in a cafe in Paran, and it's about one of your favourite artists. I know, it's Clarice Beckett. Yes. And Clarice, I love. I'm actually involved in this pre-record you are you are i'm or old record really so i'm not sure what we're talking about but if anyone has not seen claris beckett's paintings she painted around in the 20s onto the 30s i think around the mentone area Mm, bo morris she she, and she looked after her um yeah bo morris yeah she looked after her parents so she was a home girl and mainly just went out there on the on the cliff faces, etc., and painted. But Beautiful love, paintings. Also lovely, misty, you know, beach road Wet. scenes and mm. old T-model Fords and that sort of thing. All right. Well, um, I'll just get myself organised. I'll do that, yes. That, that would be lovely, Swan. And the next voice you hear is probably, I don't know. It's probably be, you again. Could be anybody's. It's a little bit of a special John on this morning because we've got the great man sitting in a cafe in Oparan surrounded by a bunch of arty farty chicks. Good morning, John. Morning, Swan, and good morning, Sally. How are you? Very well, thank you. And I am indeed in a cafe, and uh, but that's where artists belong, isn't it, Swan? Sitting around in a cafe somewhere? When yeah. they're not painting, of course. You're wasting, yeah. wasting the taxpayer's money. I love it. Yeah. Um, but I am in here, actually talk to some people who are coming to see me and we're going to have a very interesting conversation, I'm sure. But that's beside the point. Here I am. And Swan, I was good. Well, I'm not going to be in there today, but um, I have been ruminating about Clarice Beckett and I mm-hmm. know that uh, you're particularly fond of Clarice yourself because you said so. If I had lived and in another time, I would have married her. She's the woman that lived on the coast in, near Beaumaris, isn't she? Correct. Yeah, yes. she made a lot of paintings down there. And um, and they're beautiful paintings too. There's some at the Morning Convention or Regional Gallery at the moment. Oh, yes, in that exhibition that they've got on that's just opened yeah. again. And they're just so gorgeously soft and foggy and, uh, you know, with this lovely palette across them and very feminine, I must say, which interested me with uh, 
Peter's particular interest in them. And uh, is it the femininity, think, you think, Pete? Is that the bit that no, I, I think it's her incredible skill at ca- capturing that sort of, as you said, that ethereal impressionist fog, those those misty bayside streets back in the 20s with you see the back end of a T-model Ford or something and a, the yeah. odd lamppost. You're not bad at painting a car. You don't sort of you don't see a lot of painters who are good at painting cars, but she was always good at that and both. Was, she, was it watercolour or oil? No, no, they're oils. Mm. They're small oils on board, mm. generally. I, I believe she studied at the National Gallery. Uh, she would have been part of the Max Meldrum School, I think, and then moved away from that tonal thing into the foggy, misty thing. But it made, sometimes they make me feel like, well, it wouldn't be bad to need to wear glasses all the time because you could take them off every now and then and see the world like that. Yeah, and uh, she she actually got pneumonia. Did she? Uh, yeah, yeah, she was out painting on a cliff edge or something and she died of that she looked after her elderly parents for a great period of her life right yeah. i didn't know any of that about her mm. and she's buried down there and one of those cemeteries very close to Bo morris right i'm oh. going to go down and have a look at the grave oh. i think but everyone I did do some other research on yeah. and i looked around and um, you can buy a clarice beckett painting for yourself if you want to get one of the auction houses and they're not that expensive i have to say when you say not that expensive, yeah. what are we talking? Uh, well, you know, around the five or six thousand dollar mark. Oh, wow! Right. I might get one for Sally for Christmas. <laughs> for a, but for a painting with that kind of cred and that level of beauty, I think that's probably quite a good price. I'm actually thinking, John. Would you agree? It's a bit of a travesty that someone of such talent and of is not commanding a higher price. Is it because she's just a bit of an unknown woman? Uh, I think that perhaps. They just don't have enough bang on the wall for people who want to spend a lot of money for art. You know, the, the big swing tag is often hanging off the big paintings, uh, and they yeah. tend to be very small. Their library of paintings or study paintings, you know, that may be it, I don't know, but S- certainly not because she's not a good painter. Says a lot about your art patron, really, doesn't it? It's kind of one of those awful ironies. More is better. <laughs> no, no, the people that can afford to buy your paintings might not really deserve them. Oh. I do remember a, uh, a young and bizarrely successful painter saying to me one night when I said to him, why do you make your paintings so big? And he said, because the people with the big walls have got all the money. Correct. Well, yeah. insight delivered us, delivered unto us all the way from Paran. Yeah, I'm sort of and having a bit of... So I'm sort of thinking like I'm in a cafe, which I am. Yeah. Cafe, cafes make you think in a particular way. Well, certain cafes do. Hey, um, what are you doing up there, generally? Why didn't you come uh, I, in today? I'm talking, to having very serious conversations with people about the size of their walls. Ah, I see. Various patrons. Well, keep yeah. up keep up the schmoozing and mention yeah. my name. Yeah. Thanks a lot, okay. John. Thanks, Swan, and thanks, Sal. Enjoy the Bendigo Bank studio, won't you? We will do. Well done. Touché. See you <laughs> soon. Bye. I think that was a good lasting insight. The people with the money have got the big walls. Yeah, absolutely it was. Um, I would like to point out, Swan, yeah. that you haven't bought me one of those paintings for Christmas. Well, how long ago was this interview? Quite a while, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I reckon you've had two Christmases. All right. Well, let's punch it out over this song because right. I imagine it's oh, pretty fun. You know yeah, so tell me, it's Ian Jury's son. What's his Baxter name? Baxter Jury. Baxter Jury. Yeah. It's got a ring to it, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. So is his voice. I think you'll find the voice recognisable. And I did ask you whether he'd be as wild as his old man, and the song is actually called Cocaine Man.
Hark! Hark! What doth thou hear? It's time for the new song. That sound can only signal one thing. It is. Busy, busy, busy. That's right. Now, just to let you know, I'm going to be away next week. uh, So I'm going to be leaving the show in your capable hands. Hopefully John will turn up. Let's work this out. We had Mark... Yeah. John, Sally, Swanee just sitting here pushing the buttons. Resolutely. Adding a little fill if necessary, helping out. Yes. So now we've got no Mark, no John, no Sally. It's going to be you next week. So Mark. it's just an exercise in reduction. <laughs> well, what do I know? It's not going to be just you next week. Really? Hopefully Mark will be back, actually, right. and so will John. Okay. Now, uh, Open House yes. is coming. It's open. Uh, it's, there's a whole lot of events running through July, yes, we've culminating heard about that. in a weekend of the 27th and 28th, yeah. where 200 buildings are going to be opened across Melbourne. Apparently, you can have a tactile experience with a naked architect, or something like Tactility, that. Tactility, they call it. I call yes. it. Um, what do you call it? Sexual harassment. No, there's nothing All like right. that. Listeners okay. Don't worry about that. Uh, Mick Yankovic. What about him? He has an exhibition on up at, upstairs in Rye at his mm. gallery. John's going to be part of it. It's called Local Seven, which uh, oh, leads me to imagine seven. that there are seven local artists who mm. are going to be uh, exhibiting in that. And uh, that's running from the 13th to, of July through to August the 18th. So... Mick or Mia Drag is coming in oh, next yeah, week Mira to talk Drag. about it yep. with you. The secrets oh with me. Just me and <laughs> Mia me me. Drag. Now I met yep. Mick before. Yep. I just hope John's here to help me out. I like the Secret Seven. Unfortunately they're not the famous five. No, they're not. They're yeah. local seven. Yeah. Now David Bright's exhibition of prints and paintings yes. is still on at Everywhere Gallery in Flinders in July. The and glass then man. Following that at Everywhere, there's going to be a winter salon and art parade, which is on Saturday the July the twelfth at two PM with an exhibition running through until the end of August. Cool. Go to McCulloch and McCulloch website for more information on how to book for the salon. McCulloch if you're and McCulloch. Hmm. Yes. Uh, the Terracotta warriors, warriors are still standing proud there as guardians of immortality at headquarters, a.k.a. the NGV. Yep. And who's this photographer, Sasha Robertson? Uh, she is uh, a woman. She has an exhibition coming up at, at Merrick's General Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a photographic artist and she captures the symmetry and elegance of abstraction in landscape. Yes. That's running from the 13th of July through to Sunday, August the 4th. So... If you've just tuned in, you've missed Arts About, but you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12. Arts About is available on air, streaming from the station website or the RWP phone app, and we also podcast the show, and you can find out where that is by checking in on our Facebook page or the station website. We'll be on again same time next week at 11am on Sunday, and remember everybody, we may not know everything about art, but we know what we like. Yes, we do. Goodbye. Cheerio, everybody.